0: Every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of Rivers Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey everyone, welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Brian Carney. This is a podcast where we interview an entrepreneur about the trials and tribulations of their business ownership, and we sample a beer that I've never had and give it a rating at the end. I'm really excited about my guest today. My guest today is Cheryl Ecton of Elite Building Services. Cheryl has found incredible success in what is typically a male-dominated industry, and she's created a multi-million dollar commercial cleaning and building maintenance company that employs over 700 people. She's also a sought-after speaker and author of the book Choices Change Everything, Choose to Get Up When Life Knocks You Down. Cheryl, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad
0: to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, A lot to unpack with you today. So, For our conversation, I'm going to be drinking a Day Trader Locale IPA from Evolution Craft Brewing, which is a, I believe, a Delaware uh, brewery. So we're we're going to try that. What are you going to be drinking?
1: Well, I'm drinking a protein drink right now. So that's less exciting than what you're
0: doing. Perfect. (laughs) Well, let's start out. Tell us a little bit about your company.
1: Well, Elite Building Services started back in 1989. I started the company, um, gosh, I was uh, very young at the time and uh, was working for a couple of building owners in uh, Wilmington. And um, they were financial guys and I was was a receptionist. And I used to answer the phone and, and take the calls and everything. And I used to, I realized very quickly that people complain about two things in a building. They complain about the temperature of the building and they complain about the cleaning. (laughs) So I went to the owners and I saw their invoice one day, what they paid the cleaning company. And um, I wasn't making a lot of money at the time I was newly married. I was pregnant with my first child. And so I went to them and said, you know, let me clean your building at night, pay me what you pay them and you'll never have any complaints. And, and then I told them I took the phone calls, too. So I was pretty sure that they weren't going to get the complaints yeah. anyway. <laughs> but, um, but I'll You're tell you,
0: that's there. What I like
1: it. It. Yeah, the, that's what started the cleaning business at night. So at five o'clock, I would change my clothes and clean the building till 10, 11 yeah. o'clock at night. I did this every single night. And so um, that's how Elite started. Wow. Um, Elite today, 33 years later, um, we are in 19 states. Um we service over 14, 15 different types of industries from the medical sector to airports and transportation and office buildings. And um, we do everything from the janitorial services to building maintenance, parking lot line striping, landscaping, snow removal, anything building related. Wow. Um, we kind of take care of
0: that. Certainly covers uh, covers the gamut for any issue you might have with a, uh, with a building and being a tenant in a building.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: So, well, you didn't have sort of like the traditional path to entrepreneurship. You didn't go to college. You didn't go to grad school and take a bunch of, you know, get your MBA. How did you decide that you were ready to turn this into a full-time business?
1: Well, when I first started doing this for the two owners and I saw the kind of money that I could make, the extra money that I could make, um, I started talking to other friends and they were hey, how about about if you clean our building? And, you know, so I got some leads and I started getting more work and I thought, okay, if I'm going to make this business really go, then I can't work full-time during the day, clean at night. I need to be able to promote the business. So after about six months of working for the two owners, I then gave them my notice. And um, during the day I would do sales and we didn't wow. have the internet back then. So door to door and send out mailings and just try to get my foot in the door, go to some, um, some chamber meetings. And then I would also do the hiring and firing of employees. And I was out there cleaning at night and I was really kind of doing it all, ordering supplies, putting literally doing it app, all, literally doing it all.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, That's amazing. So you, you decide to sort of like, kind of, you know, burn the boats and go all in with this. Was there ever a time where you got to where you're, you thought, oh my God, this might not work? Or did you never doubt yourself?
1: There were, t- I mean, there were times all along the way that were rough times. Yeah. Um, and I talk about that a lot, um, just different adversity that I went through on a personal level Yeah, uh, where I didn't know if I was going to make it because of um, a divorce I went through. And and some hardships, but I never doubted whether I had the determination to make it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of the battle is, you know, having that determination and that grit to see it through. There were many things I failed at. And, um, you know, I kind of tell everybody in the office now, you know, you're going to fail. We all will fail. Just fail fast. And yeah. Back up. I love and that. So it was just a matter of, you know, um, Picking the pieces back up when things did fail.
0: Yeah. Well, look. Let, let's. Joke,
1: I went to the school of hard knocks all the time because I didn't go to college, and I'm not proud of that. But you know that that wasn't the course that I took. Sure. And um, so I felt like a lot of things I learned the hard way.
0: Yeah. That often, you know, hardens you into be the best business owner, though, because you know you really, like you said, you literally did it all. You know this business from the ground floor up because you've literally touched every aspect of it. So that makes you. Uh, Way more valuable as a CEO than than someone that has sort of just kind of shortcut it.
1: I think it also makes you really compassionate towards your employees, and you understand how hard this is for them every day. There's a lot of people that work for me that they do this as as extra income or or really income just to make ends meet. You know, they're putting through college. They're just they're. It's not about them going out and buying a fancy boat or or a great car. Sure, it's about being able to put food t- on the table and just survive. And so they'll work all day long and then they'll come clean at night or they'll clean all day long and clean again at night. And so it's not easy work. And it yeah. gives you a lot of respect for your employees. You understand what they're going through.
0: Yeah. No, no doubt. You, you bring up the adversity in, in your personal life. Talk a little bit about that and how that kind of shaped you as a person.
1: Well, uh, it first started um, when I had my second child, um, my, my daughter, Erica, very, uh, almost immediately, we started noticing issues that were going on with her. And I mm-hmm. wasn't a new mother. So I wasn't, um, I didn't think I was being over paranoid. Uh, we just started noticing some things were not right. And um, from the beginning, so at about a month old, we were in seeing some specialist and specialist after specialist, and we were at AI Dupont quite a bit. And, and then there was a diagnosis that was missed and it created uh, a bigger problem for her. And so it required a lot of surgeries throughout her life. And um, she's 27 years old today. She had about 21 surgeries. Wow. But because of that, you know, you, um, I was juggling trying to be a mom of a, of a five-year-old at the time, a seven-year-old that I had, you know, I've got this newborn baby that's got issues, you know, I'm trying to run a business that is really just getting off the ground within its first five to seven years of the business. Wow. Um, you know, I wasn't successful in business yet. And so just trying to juggle all of her doctor's appointments her surgeries, the hospital stays, trying to run a business, trying to be a wife, a mother, all the things that, um, that I had to do were, it really was, it was difficult. It wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy road. Yeah, But I also learned that going into the hospital and we spent a lot of time at AI DuPont hospital. And I think I, there was a real mind shift. I had during that time that I was mm-hmm. there, you know, at first it's kind of like, why us, why my daughter, why are we going through all of these things? Yes. And then when you spend any time in, hospital a children's hospital you really see the bad side of what goes on in there and you see the children that aren't coming home wow and it was a mind shift for me and i turned that situation into being grateful for what we were dealing with and that it was not life-threatening just life altering and i was of course i wasn't happy that it was happening to my daughter sure but at the same time you start to focus on um, the fact that you're fortunate that you're going to get to take your child home. Mm -hmm. And so there was a mind shift and that's what got me through a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, With the divorce, it was a little different, a little harder. (laughs) Um, It was more of the not knowing with Erica and my daughter's situation. Once we identified the issues and the problems, we were able to come up with a solution Uh, with divorce, a little bit different. Um, By then I was uh, into owning the company over 10 years um trying to think how many years maybe close to 15 years by that time and um i was you know it it was it became very nasty and yeah. of course you know the adversity of going through that um having to have your company valued because it's a marital asset yep and then looking at the fact that you know could i financially Get through this? Was sure. my company going to make it through? And uh, there were some tough times and some uh, serious meltdowns and times that I wasn't sure it was going to make it through. Um, yeah. But I looked at the fact that, you know, I, I sat there and I thought, I have a daughter that still needs surgery and I have a son that is in college and I have a lot of very loyal employees that have dedicated their lives to working for my company. And, you know, I kind of realized at that point, you have to get back up and keep yep. fighting. And so, you know, and when I talk to women, I talk about that. When I talk to these women's groups, I talk about the adversity and dealing with all the things that we do while we're trying to pursue our careers. Mm-hmm. And not always easy.
0: No, that, so that, that's, there's a lot there. So to be mm-hmm. building a business and have a major issue, med- medical issue for, for a baby has got to be. So unbelievably difficult that you know you, it's probably difficult to even explain to people that haven't been through it. But you bring up a really interesting point in times of like almost, you know, I don't want to say despair, but you know, you were able to find the ability to be grateful during during that, and, and to be able to have that mind shift takes a special person to be able to to do that, and I think that's pretty amazing.
1: Well, thank you. I you know I think that a lot of times we've we tend to forget what we should be thankful for.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, you know, just recently I was speaking at an event at Villanova and um, I remember talking to the women, I said, you know, sometimes it's good when you're going through adversity to make a list of things you're grateful for and things that are going well in life. Um, because when you're in the middle of it, you kind of forget about those things. So true. <laughs> it's very yeah. easy to go negative. So you got to really stay focused on the positive positive. And I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and you're going to get through this. And uh, sometimes in the middle of going through it, it's tough. And I've met so many women that have similar stories and makes you realize you're not really on an Island by yourself. There are so many women going through the same type of things in life and they're trying to build their career. And I tell women all the time, you know, listen, this is your journey. This is your race. Yeah. You do it in your own time. And I describe in my book, I talk about um, my life being more like a lattice. It's, there's not this ladder to success yep. um, that people always talk about. I don't know where that ladder is. But <laughs> you know. And so mine's been more like a lattice. You know, I had to kind of go to the side and sometimes take a step down to kind of regain my footing. And yeah. one, of my, one of my friends one time told me, she goes, your life's like a rock climbing, you know, and it's true. And sometimes you have to do that. Women sometimes have to do that. But I think the key is always staying focused on what you do want, you know, ultimately what your goals are and that you keep pursuing them.
0: Yep. You you know, this is interesting because we always talk about the iceberg analogy. Everyone sees what's above the water. They see you being super successful. They see you, you know, super composed, holding it all together, very successful businesswoman. But underneath the water, there's so much going on where- you're not paying yourself as much as you did the year before. You're dealing with issues, you know, privately right. with, with your family or with an employee, and you know, it, that is where things really are difficult. And not everyone sees that, and or even recognizes that you're going through that. So that can be a challenge as well.
1: Yeah, and as a leader, you can't really show them all of that at times. You know, they're looking for you to lead. They're looking for you to be um, a strong one, and even as a mother for your children, yes. they're looking for you to show that strength. So you can't always, you can't always show that it is difficult sometimes, but you know, there's so many people going through the same thing.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's no different.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you about is the, the difficulty of the unknown. It seems like things with your divorce were unknown at the time. I find that that actually gives people more anxiety than anything else. Absolutely. You know, if you could come unknown. out, Yes, fear of the unknown. If you could come out with an unfavorable outcome to that, at least you can wrap your head around that and start planning for that when you don't know what's going to happen. That's the kind of thing that really keeps people up at night. How were you able to sort of drive through that incredibly difficult, unknown time of your life?
1: Oh, I don't. I don't know that I did that really that successfully or, or <laughs> great. If you saw me at that point in time, <laughs> um, you know, I, I recall a day that i had had a particularly bad morning and I passed out completely cold at wow. one point um, just from a, a confrontation um, with my ex-husband about what was going to happen during this divorce and how, things were not going to go well for me. And I remember this one particular interchange and I passed out cold afterwards. And when I came to, I, I pulled myself together thinking, okay, well this day has to get better. Right. (laughs) And, and that you should never say that because (laughs) it didn't get better. And I went to the gas station and now about five minutes after getting gas, I, I just took off and, and I, I wasn't done getting gas. I just temporarily lost my mind because I was deep in a conversation and I was very, um, I was uptight about the conversation and, and fear and I yeah. took off and I hear this commotion behind me and, and guys are running after the car. And I looked to the left and I saw the gas pump hanging out of the car. <laughs> and, um, and so I backed the car up thinking, you know, my God, I gave the guy my driver's license and insurance card. And he, he just looked at, I thought he was going to give me a ticket or something. And he, he just said, ma'am, just pull up. We didn't finish pumping your gas. And I'm like, you don't want me to leave. And he said, you just, I think you're having a really bad day. Why don't we start over? And I was like, wow, that is amazing. Wow. I, so I don't want to say I navigated through this perfectly because i um, when you don't know what's going to happen and there, that fear is there, um, you you definitely there. There's a lot more anxiety, and you do things because you, you're just not thinking and your mind's not 100% focused at that time. So, there were probably a few things like that I did during that yeah. course. I'd like to tell you that there's a map, a roadmap for this, but you know everybody's. Uh, situations a
0: little different yeah and figuring it out on your own is, is part of I guess the uh the, the battle that that everyone has to face at some point yeah
1: um
0: is. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh about your business because your industry is pretty male dominated mm-hmm. and you've built one of the largest women-owned businesses in the mid-atlantic that's no small feat so I, I would love to know a little bit about how you were able to build such a unique space in a male-dominated industry?
1: Well, when I first started um, and started in the commercial field, because I I had an opportunity right with with the two gentlemen that I was working with, that opportunity, I saw that you could do the job and go home. And with the residential side, which is really more Mm female-dominated residential cleaning, you're dealing with a lot of homeowners. And somebody very quickly told me, stay out of that field. You don't want to go into the house cleaning. It's a lot of headaches, people's home. Good so advice. <laughs> I decided to stay in the, in the commercial cleaning side of it. You're right. There's a lot of, a uh, lot of men in this field. It's very male dominated. Um, but I, I think it opened up opportunities too. Um, we became certified as a woman owned business mm-hmm. and that doesn't get you the business. You need, sure. it, it, it gives you an opportunity to at least present your services and see if you qualify in order to to submit an RFP or a proposal to a client. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to say it gets you it gets you the business, but it does get you opportunities. And I I think that um, the industry is turning a little bit. Um, it's still more male dominated, uh, but we are starting to see some women that's great um, right start their companies, start commercial cleaning companies, and that they're in this field. So it's changing a little bit. Yeah. A little
0: that- Yeah. (laughs) Well, how, how were you able to go from, you know, you kind of doing everything to a 700 person company in 19 States?
1: I'll tell you, I think when I started surrounding myself with pretty smart people and um, you know, I learned long ago, I think the the thing that I learned, one of the biggest lessons is know what you don't know and surround yourself with smarter people. You should never be the smartest person in the room. And for sure. And I was not, and I remember bringing in people that really knew how to scale a business um, and knew how to uh, to really um, to really grow the company. Yeah. and so uh, you know, we we've got some really good key accounts that we did a great job with, and our operations department uh, did a really great job uh, servicing these clients. That the clients then started coming to us saying well, do you work in this area? Do you work in this state? Do you work Mm -hmm. in this state? We have locations. And from there, we started growing with our customers and that's what took us into 19 states. Um, But I think it's also having good scalable processes that allow you to to grow like that. And and obviously we're very labor intensive type of business. So our business needs a lot of employees.
0: Well I think that that's the sign of a good leader. Two two things you said there. First of all, recognizing that there's certain aspects of the business that either you don't like or you're not good at and hiring right. competent strong people to fill those roles. And at the same time, not standing over their shoulder and micromanaging them and allowing them to do what you brought them in to do. I don't think right. I don't think some leaders are able to do that. Great leaders are able to do that, but I don't think, you know, I don't think ever that's a trait of every CEO can can Set their ego aside and do that.
1: Well, I've always said if I have to micromanage, I've got the wrong person.
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
1: And um, you know, and I, I haven't really had to do that. I, you know, I'm not saying that everybody that comes into your organization works out, um, but I think I've got a really great team.
0: Yeah, for sure. You you brought up something earlier that I wanted to come back to is you you mentioned about you, you encourage your employees to fail fast. (laughs) <laughs> Explain a little bit about what you mean about that. And I'd love, you know, an example of of you personally failing fast.
1: Hmm. Well, when I don't want to say I encourage them to fail, <laughs>
0: um, but I would
1: say that y'all fail at things. If you don't try yep. something, you will never even see if you were going to be successful with it. Yeah. So I think trying is, is the first key. I tell everybody, look, how about we make new mistakes? That's the other thing I tell them. Let's just make new mistakes. But the, the key is, is at least trying something. And I tell, I tell all my managers this, listen, I'm not going to be upset with you for making a wrong decision. Let's just not make the, the same you know, the same mistakes over and over again. Sure. And I think the fact that if a person's willing to at least make a decision and try something and do something, it shows their initiative. I want to see that they're, that they're at least trying, yep. but we're all going to fail. So just get back up. Yep. You know, I, I just say we failed that. All right, pick yourself back up. That didn't work. Yep. And let's move on. Let's try yeah. something new. Maybe pull that process back in. Let's revamp that process because maybe a portion of it failed. Yep. but Let's fix it.
0: It seems like you, uh, there, there was an Eagles, uh, Philadelphia Eagles coach who was not very successful here, but he did have one tenant that I've, I've, I've talked about before. And he always said the one answer I'll never accept is we're going to do it this way because this is the way we've always done it. So I think that takes a lot of bravery on your part to sort of encourage your people to try different paths. And if it doesn't work out, okay, let's just not do that again. You know, that that's a great way to build a, a culture and a company.
1: There was a gentleman by the name of Rob Stevenson, and um, he wrote a book, and I can't recall the name of the book off the top of my head. But he used to say, do not come to my office with a problem without bringing a potential solution. And I think that's such a great quote from him because it encourages people to really think. Think outside the box. Yes. It may not be the solution. Yep. You know, and it may not work, but at least let's try. Let's throw, let's throw all of these ideas out. Yep. Let's be as creative as we can. Because sometimes you really do have to think outside the box when you have a problem. Yeah. And you can't be afraid. Your, your team can't be afraid to think outside the box. They can't have that fear of rejection. They have to just understand. Let's try it. Yes. Sounds like a good idea. Let's vet it. Let's let's weigh out the risks. Yeah. Um, they should be calculated. But you know, once we do that, if it works, it works. Then hey, that was a great idea.
0: Yeah. No, I I I love that. I, I think it's really easy to point out problems and just say, like, yeah, hey, we got a problem here. Well, how would you fix it? You know, I think once you attach that, come to me with a problem and a solution that changes the, the whole conversation. Like you said, it might not be the right solution. It might not be the best solution, but at least we're trying to problem solve now, as opposed to just pointing problems out. That's the easy part. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've been a, a pretty significant voice for increasing diversity and inclusion in in the workplace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like some of the things that you've done to be able and, and where how you're trying to go about doing that?
1: Well, we're a woman-owned company so we're a minority um status and i i think the fact that we get opportunities because of that status at least to be able to present ourselves um you know it's great opportunity for us um if you look at my uh, my team my executive team um the the workforce that i have very diverse men women um, all nationalities and, and, backgrounds. Um, and I think the great thing about, uh, the diversity and inclusion is that you get a lot of different viewpoints, mm-hmm. um, and you get a lot of different ways of doing things. And I think that, that just comes from different cultures, different ways, um, that people were raised, um, different backgrounds. Yes. And I think it's, it, it, it just, it gives you more well-rounded team.
0: Yep. I think that's, I think that's a great point. Having different brains looking at the same and people that think completely differently than you looking at the same set of circumstances or problems, I think is a real, real benefit, which is great.
1: Just even all different age groups too.
0: We
1: all all have different ways of thinking and (laughs) uh, and it's kind of cool to listen to some of the younger generation and, and the way they, they go about doing something and, um, And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not, you know, but (laughs) but, again, some of us, some of our decisions are good and bad, you know, but the fact that, that it's, it's, you know, they're bringing thoughts to the table.
0: Yeah. We could do a whole hour about the different, ways that the different generations think you know i worked for a baby boomer for a long time and i would say things to him and he he was old school and like hey we did it this way this is how we're going to keep doing it and i like, well you know what about using this technology no we're never going to do that okay and then you have so i'm gen x so then you have the millennials that are looking at things completely differently than you. now i sometimes feel like the old guy when i talk to them so it's kind of an interesting uh, we could do a whole hour about that
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you you're you're asked to speak a lot especially to women's group which you talk about a little bit earlier what are some of the things the key points that you really want people that come to see you speak take away as as uh, takeaways from your conversations
1: well i think that you know the common theme that i see with women that attend these seminars is a lot of them are career women they they are pursuing a career they're a business owner um but they're also a mother they're a wife um some are single mothers um and some have family members they have to take care of or older parents. The key thing is that we all have issues and adversity and problems in life. And the key thing that I try to relay to the women that come to the, the group is, is that this is your own timetable. And you may not get to where you wanna be, or you may not reach your goal in a time frame that maybe you thought originally it was going to take. Because maybe you went off to the side, I refer to that lattice as yeah. maybe you went and had a baby or sure. you're having to take care of a sick parent or a sick child, or yeah. you're going yeah. through a divorce or whatever that adversity may be that you're going through in life. And what I want women to really stay focused on is don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. You know, Don't give up on whatever your dreams and your goals are. Um, it's your own timetable. Don't focus on what other people are doing and how quickly they're getting there. The minute you start focusing on them, you're taking that attention off of what you're doing to get to your goals. So just try to stay focused and never give up. That's the key thing.
0: You know, I think that's such great advice because, you know, we see that in our field all the time, the comparing yourself to someone else. And I think in a way, social media has compounded that issue where, you know, you, you see some people that have this life on social media, you go, oh man, look at that. They're traveling. They got this car, they got that house, they're doing this. And you go... It, it is tough to stay focused and stay, you know, just stay focused on yourself and not really worry about that. You know, I think that's a, I think that's great advice. Yeah.
1: I think so many people are worried about how many likes they're going to get in the course of a nighttime, you know, on their Facebook, they can't it's, take their eyes off of it.
0: <laughs> it's so true. <laughs>
1: definitely, I am, I very rarely post, except now we're doing more social media for my speaking engagements, but I agree with you. Um, you know, I have enough to worry about during the course of the day. I can't post what I'm eating for dinner on, on Facebook.
0: You know, sometimes you see couples start posting a lot and you go, I don't think they're doing so great. You know, they're trying to, (laughs) they're trying to convince themselves that things are going great. Right. Right. (laughs) Is that why you decided to write your book and how did you come up with, and you know, I got a lot of questions about writing a book. So talk Uh, a little bit about why you decided to write a book.
1: Well, I never set out to write a book. Um, Mm -hmm you know, trust me, I would have liked a little bit of an easier life. <laughs> um, but I think that when I started going around and speaking to women, I, I had so many women that would come up to me after I was done talking and saying, my goodness, thank you so much. Um, I remember one speaking um, engagement that I had. I remember at the end, I had come off the stage and there was a woman that started walking towards me and she looked like she just walked out of a fortune. Uh, 100 magazine or 500 magazine, and yes. she was impeccably dressed and beautiful, and and looked like she had it all together. And she walked straight up to me and said, "I almost didn't come today." And she said, "Because I just found out this morning, I'm going to go through a divorce. I had oh, no wow. idea." And she said, "But I, I needed a distraction, and I needed to get out of the house, and I decided to come." And she said, "I'm so glad I." I did because I think that there's, and she broke down into tears, just crying. And, you know, after speaking with a lot of women, um, and, and talking to them about adversity in life and trying to get through it and to pursue what they wanted, um, several people encouraged me, you should really write a book that Mm. can help women and maybe give some tips on things to do when they're going through these type of life crisis.
0: Sure. So. That friend. is um that's pretty amazing. I mean to to how does it feel to be I'm, I'm not trying to uh downplay it here like a legitimate inspiration to people that you talk to. How does that feel?
1: Um well I'm I'm very humbled and honored when I when they say that. Um I just I'm hopeful that it helps them. And yeah. I help one woman if I go speak at a crowd of 500 and one woman um sees you know get some help out of it, or, you know, I inspire one person, then I think it's worth it.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I, I find it fascinating. And I think it's so helpful when you have people who have made mistakes, teaching other people about mistakes they've made or things that they've gone through. So someone can go, oh, wow, that's exactly how I feel right now. Or I'm ha- I'm making that mistake right now. Or I feel that way right now. And to know that you're kind of not alone and someone else has been there before and gotten through it, I think is huge.
1: Well, I'll tell you something funny. Um, I was speaking at an event one time, a women's event. Well, and there were plenty of men there. There are always men at some of these events too. Sure. Um, but there was a woman that came up to me afterwards and she said, I just want to thank you for keeping it real. And yeah. She said, I have a child with special needs and it's not been easy to, and she was a single mother. Yeah. It's not been easy to raise a child with special needs and try to have a career at the same time. Yep. I'm so tired of hearing women get up here and act like she said, well, what she said to me is I'm so tired of women getting up here with candy canes hanging out their asses <laughs> and um, telling me how easy it is. And, you know, just lean in a little more and just do this a little bit more. And she said, it's not easy.
0: Yep. And
1: she said, and I think that that's what women need to understand. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's still achievable.
0: Yeah. I think showing vulnerability in some uh, aspects of this world are are see- as seen as a weakness. I actually really like seeing that, like, Hey, this person really went through it, and they were down and out, and you know were able to pull themselves together and get get back going because that's real life. You know that yeah. ladder that you talked about that's not real life. That straight line trajectory doesn't happen to anyone.
1: Yeah, I, you know that that is true. It is real life, and it's not just what women experience. There are plenty of men experiencing this as well. Sure, and, and um, and I think just you're right. Being vulnerable is is the is the key. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, You know, I tell women when you're, when you, you know, when you're being vulnerable, you, you're opening your up yourself up, you Mm -hmm. know, rejection, hurt, all of those things. Um, But I don't know if you listen to Brene Brown at all. She's a great speaker and she did a whole Ted talk on vulnerability and she talks about it, you know, uh, creating the, the best type of relationships you can have. So I think, too, even when your employees see that you're somewhat vulnerable and that you're not perfect and that you make mistakes and that, okay, yes. you know, it's okay. We're going to pick it up. We're going to pick up the pieces and we're going to move on. Then yep. I think they understand it's, it's going to be okay.
0: I'm, I'm so with you there. I couldn't, could not agree with you more on, on that. Well, how long did it take you to write this book?
1: um it was probably a three-year process should not have taken that long um there were times I just stopped because of my workload and other things going on that it just took some time and yeah. I wanted it to be good and I wanted it I wanted to say the right things and I um You know, I had, I had a great editor and a great writer that worked with me and they did a great job of putting it together at the end, but I'll tell you, I I took quite a long time.
0: (laughs) I I just think it seems so daunting to end up with however many hundreds of pages you ended up with. I I mean, just to get beyond, I had to write a couple of things for my website and I was paralyzed by indecision of what to say. So to write a whole book is uh, amazing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to figure out where to start. You know, it's like, oh, how do you tell your whole life story and everything that's going on? And but, uh, you know, my editor was great when he would come back and ask questions and say, tell me a little more about this and tell me a little bit more about this. Explain how you felt here and how you felt there. So a great editor and a great writer, they they really do help you put it together. So I'm really grateful for them.
0: Was it a, like a cathartic process to go through that and, you know, to, to put your entire life out on pages? And I'm sure you got to a certain point where you said, well, I don't even really, I I haven't thought about that part of my life in a long time. Did that happen?
1: Absolutely. Um, it was interesting because as you would start telling your story, Mm -hmm. they would, they would dig deeper and ask questions and it would bring up things that I had forgotten about. Sure. but it also brought up areas that I really wasn't comfortable talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've typically, I mean, for the most part, I've been very private in my life. Yeah. Um, until this book, until going out on the speaking circuit and talking with women, I've been very private. And um, there were things I wasn't really comfortable with putting out there. And, um, and I, I still did put mm-hmm. things out there that, oh, you know, I kind of wish they would have just been my, my own thoughts or, you know, things that I would have left private, but I think in an effort to help other women, I felt it was necessary to be really transparent with them and and show them what I went through. Um, some things not, not proud of, you know, things that happened in my life and failures that I had and, uh, wasn't proud of them, but I think it was important if I was going to get my message across to women, it was important that I let them know who I was
0: absolutely yeah that that makes a ton of sense to me um that again you're vulnerable that's how you're going to connect with your audience and help really help people uh one final question since we're we're running out of time here since you speak so often to women if you could give a woman who is contemplating starting a business one piece of advice what do you think that advice would be well
1: i think you You've got to know what you don't know mm-hmm. and get the help where with the things that you're not good at. Um, an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you know everything and you're good at everything. So if you know what you don't know and seek out those people that can help you, there are plenty of people out there willing to help. Yes. And I think that would be key. You can probably avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made um, very early on or that most people do make early on. I think if you... Surround yourself with good, qualified people.
0: Yep, you make a great point. I I I really truly think people are always looking to help other people, especially if they can help them avoid some of the same mistakes they made. And even you know, I don't want to say fast track, but help them navigate some some uh, choppy waters a little better than 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 you did. I think is a huge right. advantage to someone. And I think it empowers a lot of you know CEOs and and entrepreneurs to to impart those lessons onto other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So. Cheryl, this was, is this was awesome. I really enjoyed our conversation today. This is right. great. If, you, um, if people want to learn a little bit more about you or to buy your book, where do they go?
1: So if you go onto Amazon, um, the book is called Choices Change Everything. Choose to get up when life knocks you down. Um, you can also go on www.cherylecton.com. There's a link that will also take you to the book. As well as if if anyone's looking for speaking, um, for me to speak at their in their event, there's a link that will connect you with um, the people who do my scheduling.
0: So. Great, yeah, we'll make sure that we post that that as well to uh, to this uh, episode. Um, and if you want to connect with me on the Untapped app, so you can see the what I rate these beers that we drink, uh, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit River's Edge Advisors.com and to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Last part: evolution, day trader, low-calorie IPA. Very good. I give this a four and a half out of five. And I would, this is a nice summer beer. All right, Cheryl, thank You're you sure. so much. Um, you. I really, really enjoyed our conversation and I wish you the best. Thank you. You Cheers. too. All right. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at RiversEdgeAdvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at RiversEdgeAdvisors underscore LLC.